Are you a sports fan who didn't know the NFL draft was this week? Then boy, do I have the teaser trailer for you. I'm Danny Heifetz, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show every week with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. We're doing mock drafts before the draft. We're grading picks after the draft. Now, do we know which picks were good and who's going to go where? No, absolutely not. We can't predict the future. But people like hearing about it. Yeah, don't you? You sickos. So we talk about it anyway. So come listen to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. And guess what? If you like the draft, but you don't like me, you can go listen to the Ringer NFL Show with Kevin Clark and Nora Princiati and our other NFL experts. Or you can go to nfldraft.theringer.com to check out our massive draft guide. So come listen to the Ringer NFL Draft Show and the Ringer NFL Show on Spotify because they employ me, or it's also available on all the other platforms that don't employ me. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. I was letting the steak come to room temperature. I'm uh, <laughs> just hopped off of a very rewarding round of Call of Duty. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man. So you're not covering the draft this week. I see. Yeah, you're like, all right. Okay. Oh, my I Lord. See. Hey, man. I don't even know what day it is. But and, yeah, that's cool. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You know why? Because you, you, yeah. you're Mr. Late April, bro. Like, this is this is Matt Miller's season. And for everybody tuning in, welcome in to uh, episode 95 of the Full Go Podcast. Uh, that voice that you're hearing is... ESPN NFL draft analyst Matt Miller. And this will be now my 10th draft with Matt Miller. Uh, my former executive producer back in the days, back in the Atlanta days, 92.9, the game days, my man Alec Campbell came to me and said, Hey, man, this is dude Matt Miller. 
this man is cooking out here and he's the only one that's going to say yes to us right now. And I was like, oh, dude, <laughs> let's get it. <laughs> it's probably true, right, man. Right. It's probably, right? It's, it, was, it was hard booking somebody at, you know, nine o'clock on a Tuesday night, you know, in, in, in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, yeah. in the late stages of the draft process, trying to figure things out for the Atlanta Falcons back then. But brother, I'm always glad to see you. Always glad that you get a chance to uh, shine in this time. And I know you take a little break afterwards and it's going to be a well, well-deserved break. So let's get right into it, brother. Um, top five Matt Miller draft prospects. I don't even need to know who needs to pick who just as yet, but the five guys <laughs> that you think have separated themselves uh, throughout this process heading into Thursday. Well, I think talking about top five prospects is a hell of a lot easier to talk about top five picks right now. Right. So uh, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, like, boom put a gold star next to his name. We're done. Right. Do we need, do we need to talk about Aiden Hutchinson? I mean, elite production, elite measurables. Dad was an all American in Michigan. Like if you literally had boxes, you know, like with your little clipboard and you would go, okay, he, yep. Yep. All right. He does that too. Like there's the only thing you could complain about is that he has little T-Rex arms, but <laughs> it didn't stop him from beating people up in the big 10. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, I have Evan Neal and Iki Aquanu okay. next two, three. So I have two offensive tackles, Evan Neal, you know, it's three year starter at Alabama plays left tackle, right tackle. He's Monster. a, he's a attack, He's a three year starter at Alabama at offensive tackle. He's pretty good. Right. right. Uh, Aquanu, NC state. I think he'll probably be a right tackle in the NFL, okay. but he's he will be a stud wherever he plays, whether it's left tackle. I think if he played left guard, he would be like Quentin Nelson good mm. um, or right tackle. Uh, so he's up there. I still have Kyle Hamilton at number four. Uh, he's a player that I, I think if we had had the draft in the middle of January, he would have been a top five pick because we have the draft at the end of April. Number one, people like myself can have a job. Number two, you know, he, guys like Kyle Hamilton, who are great football players, but maybe not, you know, great test takers when it comes mm. to athleticism, fall down the board. And then I have Trevon Walker, who's the hottest name in the streets right now, the defensive end from Georgia. He's my number five prospect. Really? Uh, he, he, I was actually just, just before I got on with you, I was in a production meeting and I was talking about, they were like, oh, he's such a big riser. And he is, but I had him as my number 12 player. In, in early January. So he has jumped up. Some of that was, I didn't know if the dude was going to declare or not because he wasn't even a full-time starter at Georgia. Obviously he made a really good decision. Cause it sounds like you know, he'll be a top, he might be a top three pick at this point. Who has fallen since the end of the college season to up until the 28th when this draft takes place? Who do you think has fallen so much that maybe somebody gets some value or yeah. it's just not a good look for this person right now? And hopefully they, they rebound with their NFL career. Well, I think Kyle Hamilton has fallen. You know, again, like I think if you had polled people in January, you'd be like, oh, that's a top five pick. He ran slower than expected with a four, five, nine. Uh, some of his positional value as well. That hurts a guy like him. But I would also say Nicobe Dean from Georgia, the middle linebacker. If you watch the casual playoffs, everybody talked about Jordan Davis at nose tackle and Nicobe Dean for good reason, right? I mean, dude was an All-American. He's a leader. He's a captain. He's, I mean, he looks like the college version of Ray Lewis in the middle of this Georgia defense. But now we get into the draft process. He's got injuries. He's not able to do any testing, right? He didn't, he didn't run. He didn't jump. He didn't lift nothing. And he, he came in smaller than expected. You know, he, he's the 5'11", 229. And so when you have a guy who's like, okay, he's undersized, got some injury issues, but then you start to wonder how much of his ability was because he was covered up by 10 dudes at Georgia that will all start in the NFL. And you could say that about everyone from Georgia this year. You could say it about Jordan Davis and Trevon Walker and Devontae Wyatt. 
the list goes on because they were that talented. But I do think, you know, I, I will be surprised if Nicobe Dean's a first round pick. And I think he's a player that's a household name during the college football season. What scouting mistake do you think you make that we make as observers that maybe GMs make uh, when this process is going on from tape to where we are right now? Because I'm, I'm hearing a lot about the North Dakota State wide receiver, and mm-hmm. I believe his name is Christian Watson, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and uh, yeah. you know people are people are doing a lot of the things that, frankly, I saw happen with DK Metcalf. And even though DK Metcalf yeah. hasn't. Uh, you know, DK Metcalf looks a lot uh, more productive than he is. And he's a terrific wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. Right. But mm-hmm. I, I, I look at DK and I think, oh, man, the, the way he's built, the, the things that were said about him coming out, this guy should be a Terrell Owens type of player. Uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to the wide receiver position and how guys get graded from the end of their college season to right now where they're fitting into, you know, whatever system that, that people are scouting them for. What is the common mistake that, that we usually make uh, in this process? Yeah, I would say, Jason, it's not even just with receivers. It's two things. Number one is we forget who was good on Saturdays from September to Christmas, right? And we start to think about things that don't matter. I think the second thing is we expect players to be able to overcome things that they realistically can't. You know, too often you'll be evaluating a player and you're like, man, I really like him if he could just learn to do this. And we almost have this like thing where we just like, oh, okay, well, we'll just fix that. We'll act like it's not a problem. And and he should be a, a much higher player. You know, we see it every year with guys like, I swear to God, like I've done this before. I've made this mistake with receivers. who's like, man, he drops a lot of passes, which is really important for your job. And I'll be like, oh, well, if he just cleans up those drops, it's like, well, if he gets it's better like hands, he'll be, he'll be good. Could, right. <laughs> it's like if a quarterback could just stop throwing the damn ball away, he'd be really good. So I think we too often, we make excuses for guys because we're, we're sitting in chairs, right? Saying, oh, well, you can fix that. That's easy. And sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. So I do think with receivers, we, we overrate things that maybe don't matter so much and we overlook things that do. You know, it, it still comes back to, can you get open? Because if you can't get open, nothing else matters, right? It doesn't matter if you can catch. And then the second thing is, can you catch? You know, and especially at the next level, going from college to the NFL, where open in college, everybody says it is a lot different than open in the NFL. And so can you catch with dudes on your back? And can you catch when you know you're going to get lit up? And and can you catch when the guys around you are just as big and strong and fast? So, you know, with receivers and, you know, Bears fans, Falcons fans, like everywhere you've ever worked, they need a receiver this year. <laughs> so it's you know, it's really a, a pertinent conversation. How you gonna how you gonna fucking put that <laughs> on me? By the way, right, like, it's your fault. Everywhere yeah. I go, that's where offense is yeah. going to die. Pretty much. All right, I, I, I'll, take that, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Deepest position in this draft, and and the place where you got to get your value earliest. Yeah, man. Deepest, I think it is receiver. Which, like, at some point, we just have to adjust for that and say there's gonna be six or seven first rounders every year. Right. So, is it even? Is it still deep? Uh, it I, it is relative to the other positions. I'll tell you, I love the safeties in this class. I mean, we talked about Kyle Hamilton. I hope so because the Bears need two. <laughs> yeah, the the Bears need draft picks more than anything. Yeah, so, yeah. They they need a lot of things. I think where you have to get your value. Edge rusher, um, it, there's a there's going to be a drop off there. Offensive tackle, there's going to be a drop off there. So I, I think those corner, there's a pretty good drop off, and not drop off to where like you can't find starters, but there's a drop off from sure thing to maybe a little bit of a project. 
So speaking of short things, the first time that I saw Sauce Gardner at Cincinnati, I was like, first of all, to be named Sauce, you have to be good because at some <laughs> right? point somebody's going to back s- that shit up. Right, yeah, right? exactly. It's like yeah. Somebody's going to snatch that nickname off of you or make it funny. Right. So you got to be the man. It's like, is there any time I see like little guys in athletics? I'm like, you don't know the shit that that person had to go through to get to this point. <laughs> like having a nickname yeah. like Sauce, especially at the cornerback position, you got to be good. And every game that I watched him in. He was more than sound. He was more than fundamental. And he's he's got an yeah. eye for the ball. If there are sure things in this draft, is he one of them? And who are some of the other things, other guys around that area where you're like, okay, you're not going to miss outside of that top five maybe that you mentioned? Because I've seen, I've seen hell yeah. as high as the four pick to the Jets for Sauce Gardner. I was going to say, I think Sauce goes for the Jets just because of the need they have. Like, I mean, he's he is that good. I don't know how, like the Jets head coach, Robert Sala was in San Francisco. He was the defensive coordinator. I would look at sauce Gardner and be like, Hey, remember when we had Richard Sherman? Okay. We have another six, three corner. Who's a ball Hawk sauce might be better in man coverage than Sherman was even. So it's just like, okay, we have a guy who can legitimately match up with anything that, that we have to face. And if you're ever going to climb out of the basement, the AFC that the Jets are perennially in, you have to start being able to cover, take the ball away. So sauce at four makes a ton of sense to me. Other sure things, man. I think that Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, is a sure thing. Like last year, we talked about Creed Humphrey of like, he's going to step in and immediately make your team better. Look what he did to the Chiefs offensive line. He gave up one sack all year, including the playoffs. And I I think Linderbaum will be the same way. And some GMs are going to overthink it because he's short-armed. He's only like 6'2", 295. But he is, I mean, he's an elite athlete. He's instinctive as hell. And he'll go somewhere like Tampa or Cincinnati and be an all pro for a generational quarterback. It's just unfair how the draft works sometimes. Who are the guys in this draft that are going to get dinged by red flags or character issues or injury, whatever the case may be? Who are the guys that, that might be falling yeah. because of some of those things? And and also, I, I want to piggyback that with like, I don't know if it's just recency bias or what, but outside of Randy Gregory, most of the guys who have been red flag guys over the last few years or so, like we've talked about Dalvin Cook, we've talked about Joe Mixon, and it doesn't yeah. rear its head on the professional level. So does that lend to guys maturing, guys having you know the infrastructure on a team around them like what what are some of the things that we're seeing on how teams are scouting red flags and how they can cope with some of the character issues that guys might be entering the league with yeah i think like we're all smarter about evaluation number one so like some of those red flag guys aren't making it you know to the league even you know they're, they're getting bounced out i think the second part of it is like we are much smarter about dealing with issues you know it used to be if a player dealt with anxiety or depression or bipolar disorder you would say oh that's a red flag now you say, hey, that's that's just being a human being in 2022. Let's help you deal with it, whether that be through therapy or through, you know, pharmaceuticals. Like, let's put a support system around you. You know, even guys like Randy Gregory. Randy had essentially a best friend in Dallas that the team employed that just said, hey, let's make sure you're where you need to be. Let's make sure you're doing the things that you need to do. The, the NFL has gotten much smarter about that. Instead of writing guys off, they say, gosh, you're pretty talented. Let's try to give you the support that you need to be successful. So this year, like, I don't, I have not heard a lot of credible reports about guys who are, you know, quote unquote, bad character. And I I feel like, and I have felt like that, like we almost need levels to that because, you know, being a guy who's depressed and being a guy that beats the hell out of your girlfriend are not the same, right? right? Or man, this guy has the trouble coming to, to practice on time versus, you know, this guy has drug arrest in his background. You're like, there are levels to this stuff. And so saying 
and, and this is something I had to learn throughout my career is saying a guy has character concerns is not fair because it can mean a lot of different things. So, you know, like Eli Apple's mom cooked every meal for him. Is that a character concern or is it just like, I mean, <laughs> you know, no, like, his, his backpedal was the goddamn concern. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like I'm jealous of that. Why are we knocking him for it? I wish my mom would, would cook every meal for me. So, you know, like we talked about Nicobe Dean's going to get hit for the injuries. Devin Lloyd from, from Utah, probably going to get knocked for some injuries a little bit. We'll see how much it affects Derek Stingley Jr., who's coming off two. He's coming off one bad year and one okay year, plus a Liz Frank injury. Um, but those are, you know, there's kind of the ones where there's, it feels like kind of a, you know, a draft where there's not a lot of those guys that you're worried about. Mm-hmm. So now we turn to the Bears, my friend. And as you mentioned, they don't have a lot of picks, right? So mm-hmm. Ryan Poles either going to have to trade down from that 39 pick and add, or you got to, you got to strike it rich in 39, 48, and 71. Yeah. Uh, in, in those second and third day situations there, the value I've seen you talk about running backs. I think they're straight there in Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery. But, yep. you know, is Larry Borm a right tackle? What, what's happening at the wide receiver position? The entire secondary, including Eddie Jackson, needs an overhaul. And, and Eddie's talking yep. that good talk, so hopefully he's going to make plays this year. But it's a new defense. It's a, a new head coach. Everybody's got their first date face on. But you look at this right. roster, and there's there's some holes. There's some holes. Yeah, it- and they've made some holes, like right? right. So they've they've even like they've come in and been like, "This house needs renovated. Let's go ahead and tear this wall down too." <laughs> you you trade Khalil Mack, right? right. And, so, and some you know other places they just haven't brought back guys. So I, I will say this: I I trust Ryan Poles. I think he's a great evaluator. I think Bears fans can look back at what the Kansas City Chiefs did in rounds two and three, even day three. You know, the, and he was a big part of that under Andy Reid and Brett Beach, obviously. I think the Chiefs' ability to reload that offensive line, a lot of that goes to Ryan, who was a college offensive lineman and a really good one at Boston College. So you should feel comfortable there. But I do think this is a year you can't just make more draft picks, right? They are what they are. You don't have a lot of assets to trade up to get a better player. You have so many needs. You probably don't need to trade up anyway. So here's what I would say to Bears fans. This is, by the numbers, the deepest draft class ever because so many guys went back to school because of COVID. So many guys got that extra year eligibility. This is the deepest draft probably ever, right? It definitely is since I've been doing it. So if I'm a Bears fan, on day three of the draft, I'm trusting that this front office is going to kill it with undrafted free agents and that they're going to kill it with late round picks. Remember, the Chiefs got Trey Smith in the sixth round last year. He started every game at right guard and was a damn near Pro Bowl caliber guy. So I look at it through that perspective of the picks are what they are. Now it's on the front office to go hit on those picks and then also to just mine guys in that UDFA market that's going to be super strong this year. Hearing a lot of talk about Sky Moore and some of those guys in that range, Mm -hmm. who do you think will be in the range of picks that you value around 39 and 48? We ain't got to go through the whole thing, but around 39 and 48, where, where, what range of two or three guys that you think will be, uh, the suitable for Bears fans to kind of keep their eyes on? Well, Sky Moore's a great one. You know, Western Michigan guy who's kind of a, a mighty mouse underneath, kind of, you know, bounces off dudes, has great quickness, great burst. Uh, you mentioned Christian Watson earlier. I think there's a scenario where he's still available if we don't see, like if we see six receivers in the first round, which is about, that's a lot, right? But that's about right. <clears throat> then I Christian Watson could fall. George Pickens from Georgia has had like some immaturity things. He's been kicked out of some games, suspended. You know, he, he's got a hot temper. 
He's also a really good wide receiver. So if you're willing to say, Hey, like we feel like we can help him, you know, kind of deal with this. If you feel like he's still a good teammate, you know, he's a great receiver. Uh, he's definitely in range there too. So now that the bears have, like you said, created all of these holes, uh, this, there's going to be a lot on one Justin Fields, right? Luke gets oh, yeah. Justin Fields. That, that relationship is going to have to be one that, that we see, um, nurtured throughout the season. You know, mini camp starts and all of a sudden we're talking about practice interceptions and how good Trevor Simeon is looking. Uh, the, <laughs> the Justin Fields thing, like when you go back and look at some of your notes two, three years after a player has kind of cemented what he is or what he will be, uh, for a guy like Justin, what's most important in this year? Because now he's what on his fourth or third play play caller in two years. So yeah. what what's most important this year? Is it the actual raw materials that he's surrounded by? Is it him figuring out what kind of quarterback he needs to be on the professional level? Like how would you how would you rank the the levels of importance in terms of him actually becoming what we think he can become? Uh, and 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 draft prognosticators like yourself thought he might become yeah. as well. I think it's everything. I know that's a cheat of an answer, but environment matters so much, right? So what you have in terms of coaching, what you have in terms of, you know, an offense that suits your skills and Justin's skills are, are such that he should really fit in any offense. Uh, and then also like what you have around you in terms of playmakers. And I think that's, that is what's a little scary right now. Not so much the coaching staff, because we haven't seen those guys. Luke Getzey had a great reputation. Like he had, he had job offers, right? Uh, but I do think with what he has around him, that's where you worry with Justin is. Okay. You have Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney, and that's about it. And David Montgomery is going to have to run the ball like 30 times a game at this point. So behind an offensive line, that's not that good. So what I would look for with Justin this year is just does the game slow down for him? You know, I think there were times last year where that was the case. Things were moving too fast. And I don't believe Matt Nagy put him in the best situations to slow the game down. You know, I thought we should have saw more play action to freeze linebackers and safeties. I thought we probably should have saw a little bit more RPO to freeze linebackers and safeties. Like let's, we have a mobile quarterback who in college, when things got heavy, Ohio state said, Hey, go win us this game with your arm and with your legs. So those are the things I look at of like, that's how I would try to help him because he is going to have to take on a lot himself this year. And hopefully he and Getsy have that relationship where they are sitting together on a Thursday saying, here's what works. Here's what I'm comfortable with because it felt like that was missing last year where you know, they didn't really want him to be the guy last year, it felt like. And so there wasn't that trust and that relationship of saying, okay, like, what what do you want to do? It was always like, oh, well, let's get Andy Dalton out here instead. So as we take a look at the future of the NFL, I, I've always, I always found it kind of interesting that the NFL would kind of, for a long time, through my childhood and through my early adult years, the NFL kind of dictated, okay, we do this this way. We're different from college. And then there was like this, transition of okay but no college resources and the the materials that you're getting yeah. from college you now have to implement into nfl offenses then we started seeing the rpo stuff we started seeing the pistol and all these other things what <laughs> what what waves are you seeing that maybe nfl fans don't even know is coming yet but schematically or player archetypes like what what are, what are some of the things that we can look forward to the future of nfl football because you've already taken one linebacker off the field i mean now yeah. you're starting Corners are now three guys that you have to worry about. The spacing between offensive line, the athletics, athleticism and agility with offensive linemen. Like a lot of things have changed. What's the new wave that maybe two years from now we will be fully functional and, and realizing in the NFL? 
Well, I think so much of it has been offenses adapting to the college game in the NFL. Like, like you said, we're seeing RPO, we're seeing some option, you know, we're seeing four or five receivers out there. We're seeing smaller tight ends. So I think we're going to see a defensive reaction next in college. You have a star player on most teams, which is almost like a, a safety, like a nickel safety, right? And some, most NFL teams are using a player like this, but like at Florida state, Jalen Ramsey was the star, right? You know, uh, Antoine Winfield jr. was a star. Kyle Hamilton is a star. So I think what we could see in the NFL is who is our, like just chess piece on defense. Mm. You know, that guy that's six, three, two twenty that can cover tight ends, can spy quarterbacks, can rush off the edge, you know, is almost just like a do it all type player who is kind of a tweener between a linebacker, a safety and a corner. I wouldn't be surprised if we see defenses start to look for that player instead of just be like, oh, okay, we got this guy now. Like, let's start to evaluate for that role. And then I think on offense, I don't know that offenses can't evolve much more right. than they are, unless we see like one thing that I, I think I, I don't mean this negatively because you know how much I love Patrick Mahomes, but some of that almost, uh, I hope I can say this edited. If not some of that, almost like bucket ability that we see from Mahomes. Like, I think we see that with Zach Wilson. We see it with Matt Corral, you know, where it's just like, um, you can't I'm do run around back here and just <laughs> chuck it. You know, like I'm going to trust my guys. So much of what they do in Kansas city was just, it was reactionary. It was like, Hey, you're going to run an option route and you're going to run an option route. Uh, get your ass open. I'm going to find you and throw it to you. You know, it's how we all played football as kids. Right. Basically, It's like, no, we're not running plays. Get open. I'll throw it to you. And, and I, I see that in college a lot with the spacing they have. And I, I do wonder if we'll, we'll see some of that translate to the pros where teams almost have like a, an idea for here's what we want to do, but you guys are actually out there doing it. So figure it out. All right. As we wrap it up here and I appreciate your time. I know it's a busy time for you, a busy man, the quarterback position, uh, the overdrafting is going to take place. And this quarterback mm -hmm. class seemingly doesn't have as much or nearly as much hype as the last couple of quarterback classes. Uh, Who's, who's going to be the winner here in terms of not only value, but selecting somebody that you could probably go forward and win some games with? Man, I wish I knew the answer to that. And I should, right? We're this close to the draft. <laughs> I think Malik Willis has the tools to be that guy. I think the biggest question with Malik is we're, like we talked about earlier, like you, we're trying to project you from Liberty to the NFL. And that's really hard to do. It's not like with you know, Mahomes, it was like, we're trying to project you from Texas tech, which is that, you know, air raid. How is that going to work in the NFL with Malik Willis? It's the scheme, but it's also the level of competition, but the arm is like top 10 NFL, the running abilities, top five NFL. And so if you can get those traits, it, you know, to where the mind is connected with the arm and the legs that he's going to be better than Kyler Murray, like that's his ceiling. So it's just getting him up to that level. And he might already be, we just don't know. Cause we haven't seen him do it. Right. So it, it's just getting him up to that level where he is reading the defense, getting through progressions. And again, he might already be there. It's just something you've never seen him do. So you can't be super sure of it. And Ritter and Pickett and uh, Brock Purdy and the boys, like how do you, how do you feel that the rest of the class is stacking up and where do you think they yeah. will be taken as opposed to where you value them? Yeah, so Malik's the only quarterback I have a first round, even or top 32 grade on. Pickett, I think, would should probably be a second round pick. Same with Ritter, same with Corral. Um, they're just Sam Howell as well. They're guys that have flaws and they're hard to get over. You know, it's Matt Corral loves to throw the ball up and, and it led to 11 interceptions in two games in 2020. He's also small. You know, Desmond Ritter is 
horribly inaccurate at times. And if you watch the Alabama game, he doesn't, he doesn't even look like a college quarterback. You know, he looks terrified out there. Uh, Sam Howell regressed when he was asked to be the guy this past year. So we could drive truck sized holes through some of these guys scouting reports. And I, I think for so many of them, they're all going to have to get better at the next level, which like when Joe Burrow came out, you're like, all right, that dude's ready to go. You know, when, uh, even when Kyler came out, you saw him do things at Oklahoma where you were like, okay, he's, he's ready to go. You know, Trevor Lawrence, he was ready to go this year with the quarterbacks. They all have to get better before they can be on the field. Matt, thank you for your time, man. Appreciate you as always still doing the co-drive in KC. Always, man. Right. Always let doing the people that. know. Uh, yeah, uh, right now, hopefully it's eventually going to get hot here. Uh, I, I'm still not sure if it will. But yeah, every fall and winter, we do a, a co-drive. It's called the 417 Foundation, where we buy coats and warm clothes for kids. Uh, now we're doing it in the summer, Jason, where we actually buy school supplies for kids and teachers. Because I come from a family of teachers, and it's wild right now. You know, Families can't afford things. Teachers definitely can't afford to be buying stuff either. So uh, yeah, folks can check that out on, on my Twitter and Instagram, where we, we try to push out everything we're doing. All right, Matt. Thank you uh, once again, man. You are uh, Mr. Late April, and I always appreciate your time, brother. Of course, man. Good to see you again. Yes, sir. Matt Miller right here on the Full Goal Podcast with Jason Goff. Coming up on the next episode of the Full Goal with Jason Goff. Join us Wednesday night after Game 5 of Bulls-Bucks. Will it be the final game of the Bulls season? We'll talk about it then. Plus, Friday after the Bears make their first few picks in the NFL draft. They ain't got no first-round picks. And I appreciate our guys, our production staff, the always active Jesse Lopez, and, of course, the shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti, who was actually in on this recording. So it, uh, it, it came out that much better, hopefully. So for Jesse and Steve, I'm Jason. Thank you so much for doing everything that you do with this pod, whether you're downloading it, subscribing to it, listening to it, sharing it, rating and reviewing it. We appreciate everything you do. This has been the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer and Spotify as the gang. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other and make sure that you are being as safe as possible.